This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It is a bit much sort of eating just as the show is about to begin, but it's not like the old days where you could when we were live and you knew we were halfway through because a certain presenter could get their Sunday dinner. Yeah, exactly. They just eat and carry on. And that, and that stemmed a feature, didn't it? Um, Which was guess what the certain presenter was having for dinner. Yeah. And uh, Chris, can you, uh, Chris Clark, what happened with the Guinness and Cara? How did that happen? So, so we went to the Clifton after the game um, and bought bought around, and all sat down. It was one of those uh, pub tables with the seats built in, you know, the benches. Um, Cara got in, sat down, so we're all sat down. Then we did cheers, and as she put her uh, glass down, she managed to put it in the kind of gap between the slats of the table, and it just went and poured I mean- all over her legs. That is fantastic. It was so good. I mean, <laughs> and she was going to a gig with um, producer Sam straight afterwards, and she and she had no change of clothes. So. <laughs> this podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans. Hello, and welcome to Back of the Nest. I'm Chris Hambling, and I'm joined today by Nick Gillard and Chris Clark. Hello, gentlemen. I said gentlemen, so plural, so you have to speak at the same time. Hello. Hello. No, uh, you actually organised yourselves. Post production. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just played it with that. Yeah. Uh, actually, Mikey, if you can uh, use post prod to to kind of combine the two voices into one, that would be much appreciated. Otherwise, um, my comment is redundant. And then afterwards, if you could take out what Chris just said as well, because... Yeah, otherwise, yeah, otherwise he's drawing attention to it, isn't it? And we don't want to do that. We want to come across as slick and professional. I haven't hosted a show since we joined the TalkSport family. Uh, so, you know, we want to make this as professional as possible. So I think we'll probably be editing around 95% of what I say out of the show, which should go pretty well. Um, no, joking aside, obviously no no change in content, no change in narrative. Um, really happy to to be on board um, and be presenting fan content. And um, yeah, we'll see we'll see how that goes. But um, but yeah, something we're we're very proud to to have done. We've been doing this for about eleven years now. We've been trying to find solutions that we don't have to be 
sponsored by betting companies and things like that. So um, fingers crossed this one works out and we can continue bringing quality Palace fan-related content for absolutely free. That's always been our aim. And, and we'll continue. 11 years, we might get there one day. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, once we sort the finance, we're free. we can work on the quality, right? Yes, that's okay. fine. That's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's all, we're planned all the time. Um, no, it's obviously, yeah, since the since the last time I did a show, uh, quite a lot happened. I went to California and the Queen died, which I felt was an overreaction on her part. Um, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, very sad, but, um, but you know, that, that was an odd thing. Um, and then obviously 28 days break for palace without really um being aware that it was going to happen it was it was a very odd um little kind of winter break if you like autumn break for palace and um you know the the brighton game being postponed just kind of because in in the end was a bit weird um uh, and they've obviously since lost their manager to chelsea which brings us kind of full circle in that uh you know we're here to talk about chelsea beating palace 2-1 um with connor scoring the the last minute winner in a sickening way so um but uh we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment um yeah just a quick hi to nick and, and hi to chris nick how's things with you what what you been up to since the last time we spoke um lots really um i went to a record fair today which was good although it was like going into one of those games shops that they have on the high street that sell the Warhammer stuff, but it kind of smelled like that in there. Uh, so I didn't stay in there too long, but that was good. Uh, I've been spending far too much money on records since I invested in a decent quality turntable. Uh, went and watched Bromley last week against Oldham just so I could shake my fist at the Oldham fans without telling them why, because they'd laugh at me and say, Ah, oh, we relegated you, but I'd say, There, but look where you are now, getting beat by Bromley. Exactly. And uh, exactly. Hanam on right back. Absolute quality player, head and shoulders above everybody on the pitch playing there on loan for Bromley. And he scored a brilliant goal as well. So, yeah, good to see him doing well, though. Yeah, he's a, he's a talented young player. You know, obviously, I think he must be 21, 22, maybe. So, you know, that's probably the next step for him is, 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 a, is a club at that level because he's not looking likely to break into the first team setup. Although, yeah, we'll talk about my feelings about right backs in in a short while, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean he's, um, he's a left back, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it, yeah, it's weird, but uh, you know, national league isn't a bad level. Uh, but he was so much better than everybody else; it was scary. So, hopefully, we can get him back and get him to work mm. on the other side of the pitch a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Tyreek needs some good cover, doesn't he? So. Um, and we've uh, we've struggled a little bit there with Kleine getting injured as well. He's been providing cover out there, and you know, as has Ward. But it's you know, it's kind of going to be a little bit of the theme about what we you know we talk about today about the the kind of strength of our squad and you know the decisions we maybe didn't take, um, which we're we're seeing the consequences of right now. But we'll but- get into that later on. <laughs> Nick, you were just about to speak, but I said we'll get and to that later on. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> and you immediately cut yourself short and let yes. away from your microphone, which was uh, which was stylish of you. Because let's let's have a quick chat with Chris. And um, I suppose you're probably having a fairly easy time of it yesterday. You don't really get upset about referees or uh, any kind of perception of corruption. So yesterday would probably have no no real of excitement for you. Well, in a way, you know, it's it's nice that the rest of the fan base and indeed even the experts on Match of the Day were acknowledging the uh, questionability of some of the decisions that we saw 
uh, yesterday. Uh, it's nice to be proved right. Um, just depressing um, that it has to be in this way. Um, it's, it's been a weird time, hasn't it? There not being any football, and yeah, you know, just finding you have to find something else to you know do you spend your time on. Uh, mm. So managed to make it down to one of the women's games. Uh, saw uh, Palace lose to Southampton. Uh, managed in classic Chris Clark way. Um, was in the bar a bit late. Missed the winning goal for Southampton. So didn't realise that we were still behind uh, with five minutes to go. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, oh, it's quite a good point. <laughs> so like, we're behind. What? Don't you ever? Don't you ever get bored of missing goals at football matches? Um, yeah, but I really <laughs> like beer. And you know you've got yeah. to you've got to stick to uh, what you know. The other things you... um, been to been to a couple of uh, live music events as well, uh, both mm. in in South London. A new venue called O'Meara up near London Bridge, which I've not been to before, but it's in a railway arch. Looks very very nice. Uh, saw a clientele and a uh, a Liverpool performance poet called Roy, who's impossible to find on Twitter, but I think he's Bad Wool Nine on Twitter. He's mm. really good. So if you have any interest at all in performance poetry, he's worth checking out. He's, half his stuff is about uh, obscure football bets that people might put on and stuff. It's, it's, so that was quite entertaining. And I've also seen my mate Darren Heyman, who is playing uh, at the Ivy House, playing both uh, songs from both of his famous records. So that was, that was also really good fun. That'd um, be Hefner, yeah, wouldn't it? Always worth checking out. Yes, that, that's Darren from Hefner. And, Excellent. Um, yeah, I think Nick used to live with um, a musician who sang in his band for a bit. Yeah, who now lives um, in Indiana. Just, guys, guys, I'm just going to stop you. Mikey keeps highlighting all the text in the document that we should be reading, so I think he's trying to tell us to shut up uh, and get <laughs> on with the show. Either that or he's just having some kind of a brain problem and just focusing like, uh, you know, just, just you know. He's written to me that he's literally just playing with the text, and I didn't need to cut you short there. I was... Uh, such a shame, wasn't it? But if people need to find out any more information about that and who Nick used to live with, give your full list. If you send us an email to hi at backofthenest.com. Um, there's, there's some stories there, Nick, but I have to wait for another time. Yes, it will. Put it attention, Chris Clark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, FAO Chris Clark. And uh, Look forward to hearing from you. Exactly. Um, so news from the week before we talk any more about the game. Um, it was a day to forget uh, today at the day of recording, Sunday, um, in the WSL Cup. Uh, the Palace women lost 4-0 uh, away at Bristol City. Um, so Palace are in Group D with Bristol City alongside Lewis and Charlton. And Lewis beat Charlton 2-0 in the other match today. But obviously... You know, a, a, a poor and disappointing result for the Palace women who've been fantastic this season. Little blip, I'm sure, and um, still plenty of games to go. Uh, well, at least two games to go in that competition. So, um, fingers crossed that was that was just a minor aberration. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm sure details will be out on the official site soon enough, probably at the time you hear this, uh, to find out what went on there, um, as the game at the time of recording has not long finished. Uh, but in more positive news, the under-18s beat Chelsea 3-2 this weekend. Um, we're 2-0 down, actually. Uh, and just before half-time, Junior Dixon, who's been getting a, a lot of goals uh, at 18 level um, this season, uh, and, and got another one just before the break. Uh, and then the other side of half-time, we got it back to 2-2 with a goal from Zach Marsh. And then right at the very last, the kind of opposite of the, the first team, 
It was a late goal for Palace. Um, Adler Nashmento was fouled in the box in the 93rd minute and Junior Dixon got his second, tucking that one away to win the game 3-2. But that was the third minute of stoppage time um, and there was still time after that for Chelsea to go up the other end, hit the bar and then Palace to counter and, and hit the bar as well. So it sounds like an absolutely astonishing game for the 18s at the weekend and, and you know a 3-2 victory against a very good side. It's got to be said, from the moment he was christened, Junior Dixon is always destined to be a footballer, isn't he, with a name like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's also um, he's also isn't he's also JJ as well. So like, it's even more. It's like JJ Dixon. It's just he's so football. He's not like Bournemouth football, but he's football. <laughs> you know, we all know like the the, the, old, the old Bournemouth joke about you know players that sound like they people with names who sound like they're Bournemouth footballers, like Jack Evans or. Pete Walsh or whatever. You could just any yeah. basic English. And and managers um, named like Thunderbird Head. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, two results to talk about for the 21s in the last week, which, yeah, absolutely astonishing in midweek from, uh, from, from the 21s. It's, so we're playing in the Premier League International Cup. Uh, beat Hertha Berlin 1-0 in our previous game and um, played against PSG. Um, in the week where you know, Johan Kabai is involved in the academy there and, and came and visited the club. And there's a great interview with him on the Palace site. And um, it was good to good to see him come down and talk about still feeling very much part of the Palace family. Uh, and we sent him home with a, with a fitting reward for his kind words by smashing uh, the PSG Academy side 7-3. Um, so three goals from John Kimani Gordon, who's in a a rich vein of form and got onto the to the bench for the first team at the weekend as a result. Uh, and then goals from Akinwale, Omalabu, Kadogan and Mooney. Uh, that was, you know, that, that was a, a, we'll call it an easy win. I'm sure, you know, the, the game itself, you know, was relatively uh, attacking for the players, but they produced a very, very high level of performance and some fantastic finishing and, you know, ultimately conceding three goals, you'd, you'd you know you'd be concerned in most circumstances, but scoring seven doesn't happen that often. But fantastic work from just Johnny ask um, Manchester United or Manchester yeah. City today. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and um, I was extreme. I've got a breakaway. I've, I've got um, one of one of my neighbours is a uh, a Man United fan, and he's one of those people who. You know, it's, I suppose it's difficult living in the south of England and supporting Man United, isn't it? It's difficult to get to games, right? If you're, if you're, you know, a, 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 like ninety-five percent of the Man United support, you're living in and around the south of England. Um, so you know, there's, he's very, very passionate with the TV, um, which uh, which I'm not a big fan of. I'll be honest. So it, eight sort of, I think three minutes in or so, wasn't it? I heard a. Uh, an expletive aimed at the TV and I checked my phone to see what was going on, smiled a little bit. And then the TV volume and the complaints just got, they they start off very, very loud, which annoys me, but they just got progressively quieter and quieter until halftime where the TV clearly went off. And it's very satisfying, um, I have to say. And that thing's got worse after that. It's really cheered me up. But they won the second half free too. Should be happy. <laughs> it's true, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Shouldn't have turned it off. That's because that counts, doesn't it? It counts for something. Um, anyway, um, the other game, the under twenty one. So it's only three days later. There's a few changes made by Paddy McCarthy, 
including taking Sam Johnston out of goal and, um, and putting Aaron Goodman back in. Uh, but Palace played West Ham and it was uh, Finn Mooney who got the last goal in injury time uh, against Paris Saint-Germain, who actually got the winner, 25th minute. Um, and in, in reality, Palace could have scored a fair few more goals against West Ham, who did have a player sent off as well. But the most important thing is this put Palace top of Premier League 2 Division 1. You know, that is the the top of the top at under-21 level. There's some big teams in that league, and Palace are above them all, and very, very satisfying. Um, so, you know, it just reinforces what we know. We've got an awful lot of very, very talented players coming up through the system for the years ahead. That's your news for the week. Let's get into the match review. And we have to start with a prediction from Albert from the preview show released in midweek. My prediction is I'm I'm coming over all Hesketh. Um what an image. Uh I think we're gonna I think we're gonna lose two one. <laughs> Um, and I think it's going to be a Conor Gallagher winner. Oh, oh, I've like deliberately not touched on it. I don't want to get into it. I really just don't want to get into it. All, all, all of those tweets are going to be coming up from last season about don't fall in love with a lone player when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just don't want to talk about it. Don't fall in love with a lone player. Eh? Do you know, know what upset me more than him scoring, Chris? Mm-hmm. The Chelsea fans singing our fucking Conor Gallagher song. That's our song. How dare they sing it? We gave that to him. <laughs> it's just the it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? You know, um, I don't think you have to be upset that a boyhood Chelsea fan wants to play for Chelsea. Um, he's shown us nothing but respect. I, I do think I struggle showing even players of that ability and commitment to our cause. I would struggle showing him quite the amount of love we showed him during the game. I would sa- I would save that for pre-match and post-match. Would never boo the guy, but when he's playing against us, he doesn't get uh, any applause from me. But um, but that's just me. I appreciate. I think it showed a lot of class for people to give him the reception that he got. Um, but that's what happens, you know. You 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 have to accept that he's you know playing playing for chelsea desperately trying to get himself in the world cup reckoning desperately trying to get himself as a first team player for chelsea so you have to accept that um that that he's going to give his best for them and you know albert's prediction was you know in, in most most weeks you could say that's unerring and and very very you know very very spooky but i think you probably lose count of the number of people who felt that a Conor Gallagher win- winner was was something that was very likely to happen. Um, but yeah, credit to Albert where it's due. That's a that's a hell of a prediction. Yeah, there was a crushing sense of inevitability about it, and you know we'll talk about the, the shape of the game as we go. Um, but just to reinforce the point, absolutely no bitterness from me, and no bitterness from most of the people around me. From what I could tell, even when the goal went in, you know people were disappointed, and they were very angry with the uh, fact that the Chelsea fans went from the silence that they displayed for the vast majority of the game to acting like they've won the Champions League again. Um, but, you know, no bitterness towards Connor. He acted with class. They pointed out on Match of the Day that, um, you know, it, it wasn't like Ian Wright when he celebrated in front of the Palace fans when he scored for Arsenal against us all those years ago. So, you know, you've just got to say, you know, respect to the guy. It was a very good goal and, you know, you can understand, you know, why, you know, he would have wanted to, you know, he's there to do a job and he did and, you know, good for him, but it's bloody annoying. 
It hurt less than Rof- Loftus Cheek's goal against us in the semi, anyway. You know, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, I suppose. Um, you know, that was that was the occasion as w- as well, really. But any last minute goal hurts, and you know, I can't even be angry at the, the Chelsea fans celebrating because you know what do you do. I, I've celebrated a last minute goal like we won the cup. But, I always mention it, but when we beat Coventry 2-1, where Jermaine Easter scored twice in the last 90 minutes, and then go past 90 minutes, um, <laughs> I celebrated that more than yeah. I've celebrated probably any other goal. And there was literally no reason for it, but um, it was a late goal. But look, it was, um, you, know, it's a, you know, we talk about it, it's another late goal. It's, an, it's another t- tough result. It's another one where, you know, Vieira and the players are talking after the game about, you know, we have to learn lessons, you know. We have to know how to close out a game. I suppose it would be wrong of us not to consider that we're saying that a little too often. So, um, you know, I don't want to go all out on negativity here, but but I am frustrated by it. And, and the, I suppose you look at the game and there's, there's so many factors that went against us. We'll talk about refereeing and, and the decisions there. You can look at the injury to Klein. You can look at the injury pre-match to to Joachim Anderson um, and having to reshuffle that way. Um, you know, we, we things didn't really go our way in that respect. But, you know, we are looking too often like a team that when we get into that position where, and, and I've got to point back to the management, the management decide we need to close a game out. Uh, and they're seeing something on the pitch the, I mean, Wilf talked about it the other week that he doesn't see. He doesn't see the need for us to to change the system, to shut up shop, to see the game out. He feels like if we just carry on with what we're doing, we'll see the game out. And that's, I think, that in itself is kind of the problem. If the players, the players need to believe that, that the changes being made on the sidelines are the right changes, and we saw we can see evidence this week, which we'll get to about the nature of the substitutions. The intent might have been correct, but the application was wrong. Um, it's very, very clear that, that the substitutions made, other than the, the sub- forced substitution for injury, had a very, very negligible, if not an incredibly negative impact on the game. And ultimately, you can point to them as a fairly substantial reason as to why we lost that match. You know, we are, we are handing impetus, initiative and momentum to other teams. And we're bringing on players and asking them to do things that, are, you know, just don't really contribute to anything other than building pressure on our team. Um, and we just need to find a different way of doing things. We just need to try something else. And if we fail, we fail, but we can't keep failing in the same way. Yes, yesterday was slightly different. In I think the fact we had a very, very weak bench and Schlupp was probably the, the best player and maybe Mateta uh, was the best player on that bench. But it's... The whole closing out thing, I don't know. It's, there's been a long time pass, a lot of time to work on these things. And we've had less people out on international duty than, than a lot of other teams. Um, it's just a bit weird that that happens. Is it psychological? Is it is it self-perpetuating? Or mm. were we just unlucky that it was a worldie? I mean, you, you've got to think we've been playing teams that are a lot you're going to come on to positives towards the end of the show to leave the listeners on a high aren't you Chris but but we've played very very difficult teams and you know they they are going to score goals late in the game um it's it's a 90 minute thing and we've got we've got to deal with the five sub thing and maybe maybe 
um, Vieira's thinking that he's got to use the subs simply because there's so many there when actually maybe he doesn't need to. You raised a couple of good points there. First of all, you brought up an issue um, that Richard Evans has, has asked a question about. So we'll bring that question forward, really. He said, could there be a psycho- psychological issue of not keeping last minute goals out? And absolutely. You know, you, any human being who's kind of subject to something repeatedly happening, it will be on their mind, either consciously or, or unconsciously, somewhere in your brain. You'll be thinking, okay, we're into the 88th, 89th minute. Is only a short period of the game left. We've just got to see this out. And you stop doing the things that you were doing that kept kept goals out in the first place. So there's definitely something psychologically going on. But that kind of just goes back to, to Wilf's point from the other week. It's if you if you kind of substantiate that mindset by making these changes, by, you know, taking off I mean, you know, we took off Ezra. Now, he is obviously, you know, he's getting there very much close to to back to his very, very best, fabulous footballer. But he does seem to be kind of like the the one we sacrificed from the midfield. Um, and I do think, I, I can understand why, because he doesn't have the kind of defensive capabilities of, you know, in, in the case of this week, Jeffrey Schlupp coming on the pitch. You know, he's he's played as a defender before he's used to playing a kind of holding defensive midfield role uh, in recent times particularly under Vieira so it does make logical sense but it kind of also stopped us having somebody who was putting their foot on the ball who was able to turn away from a challenge who was able to take a little bit of pressure off and perhaps he was tiring perhaps he was struggling a little bit but to me it was a change that that really did cause an issue rather than solve one but last little bit on this is the thing you pointed out nick is that the five subs thing it has shifted the balance towards the big teams even further than than it ever was before you know when you compare our bench to chelsea's bench it's unfair (laughs) um, in some senses and then when you compare the fact that they have the extra subs are of no use to a to a team, to a squad that doesn't have five good options, you know, you don't five international class options with full Premier League experience, game-changing players. If you don't have that in your bench, all you're doing is you're at a disadvantage to everybody, to, to those people that have them. So again, it is a change that's made by the game to benefit those who already have the money, already have the power, already have the talent, and we are fighting against it, and it's a horrible, horrible thing. I absolutely share the frustration at that. But um, I do think it's important to just, you know, reflect for a minute on the fact that we've only played seven matches league-wise this season. And it feels like there have been loads of these incidents. But I was just thinking back, have we actually conceded that many late goals? We did concede one in the first game of the season against Arsenal where we were 1-0 uh, down um, fighting to get back into the game and with five minutes to go, you know, they had an attack, caught us, and it was a you know a very unfortunate own goal by Gray. Uh the Liverpool game, obviously away, we t- we took the lead. That wasn't a super late uh, thing, and they were always going to be fighting to try and get back into the game. We beat Villa. Uh City, you know, they, they were always going to be a challenge and they, again those goals weren't late. Brentford is the one that really comes out as a 
shocker and that that definitely is where you start to think maybe there is a trend but then after that we've pretty much had a month off of no football so I think you know that there is a worry about whether whether it's a trend and definitely they need to we need to make sure that we are closing out games effectively and I'm sure I mean I think we probably said this after both of the previous uh, disappointing results there against Arsenal and Brentford that you know we need to get better at securing the result and keeping things tight at the end, we'll talk about subs, I'm sure, as we go. But and I absolutely agree with all the points you're making, Chris. About it, it you know, the, the changes, the five subs benefiting the big clubs and the, the rich and the powerful. But I do think that it's important that we don't overreact. As Nick said, we've played most of the good teams now, or the best teams in the league. Anyone can beat anyone, and you know we are disappointingly low, and we've secured. I would say less points than we should have, fewer points than we should have got from the performances we've put in. And that's all I've got to say at this stage. It's it's also worth remembering that that late goal was let in by a very depleted defence that was depleted arguably by a player who shouldn't have been on the pitch, which is something we'll come on to. So, you know, there there is a bit of luck there and and no disrespect to to Tompkins because I thought he didn't do too badly. Um, and and to Waldy, who wasn't too bad at, at centre back there, um, but that must have put a lot of panic in them as well. Must have put a lot of panic in them. I am loving Chris's pajama trousers. I must say, Chris. Yeah, and obviously you've not, written something um, the uh, the listeners can't see, but um, but Clarky treating us to a to a little wander from his chair over towards the washing machine into a cupboard. You got to admire the poise. Grabbed a can. You know that's an act. That's something he's done time and time again. But he never loses the consistency, yeah. uh, and that's what you like to see from him. That's why he's a seven out of ten player every week. You just I like, like to see it. I like the way Especially he walked with. walked to the rhythm of my voice as well, which was good. Mm, but I was yeah, was convinced he'd taken the beer out of the washing machine. I didn't see the cupboard to the left of it. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a it was a faint faint towards the washing machine. Then the other hand goes to the cupboard. Quick, the defense is reeling. <laughs> and uh, and the beer's in his hand before anyone can react. So, uh, and again, you know, he's not a late one. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Um, so, look, <laughs> you kind of teased where we were heading. There, we've we've got um, we've got to talk about the the refereeing in general, but specifically, let's talk about the decision not to show Thiago Silva a red card. Because, I mean, when we talk about the refereeing in general, our chairman. Um, was incredibly vocal on social media on the issue during the game. So obviously a lot of people saying, how on earth has he got data signal at, at Sellers Park during the game? And that is is what that those those tax dollars get you. Actually, come to think of it, um, Tories have abolished 5%. Of that. Anyway, let's not get into that. Um, so let's, let's talk about um, how he was, you know, well, what exactly he was getting at? First of all, he questioned the point of VAR, which I think all of us feel feel right now. Uh, and second of all, talked about the the constant fouling. He named Jorginho and Kovacevic. Can never say his name. Um, in in none the, of us uh, are going to help you. No, no, exactly. It's Kovacic. Kovacic. Yeah, it's because there's because of past footballers who I'm confusing him with. But anyway, um, those you know both. Both players repeated fouling unpunished um, for the majority of the match, and it and it was just you know that that is where we're talking about 
you know, the very worst you can say is it's it's conscious bias, but you know, the very best is it's unconscious bias because it is bias. It's just a simple fact. If you are not treating one set of players the same as the other, and they're not, that there is bias. And I just don't think it's it's enough attention is shone on this. And I and I, I think the VAR situation highlights it better than anything because, you know, you cannot. You cannot see that incident any other way. You cannot say it isn't a clear error because he's shown a yellow card. He's seen the incident. It's a clear error not to send the player off. Um, it, whichever way you really look at it, it it's isn't, you know there's two handballs in there, so you can you can yellow card for both deliberate handballs. There's stopping a and you know I know there's a lot of jokes around it's not a goal scoring opportunity because it's Jordan IU I get the joke and it's very amusing thank you ha ha <laughs> but but he's clearly the last man and yes there are players getting back but at the time the contact is made those players are way off Jordan IU is in forward motion with the ball at his feet they are not going to catch him so that is in every sense of the word a re- you know the rule a red card and you know for the referee not to even be asked to go and look at it for the for VAR to dismiss it so readily, you cannot find any other words other than corrupt. You cannot explain it any other way than a willful desire to keep Thiago Silva on the pitch. And then you have to start questioning why is that? Is it about this match in particular? Or is it about a long-term narrative for the Premier League, which is the best teams with the most money staying at the top of the division as long as possible. The title race being between all the big teams, because that's what's going to keep the Premier League getting richer and richer, is keeping all the power at the top of the league. So it's in everybody's interest in the team, other than the supporters, to 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 have these the the balance the wrong way. And you know, we'll, there's times where I'm sure teams playing Palace would point at decisions being given for us and say exactly the same thing. And the truth is, most of those teams will be teams that you would consider less established than Palace at Premier League level. You know, we will see more and more things come in our favour. And I would, and my last kind of comment on this is, if you want to answer the question, other than for money, as to why somebody like Graham Potter would leave what he was doing with Brighton and go to Chelsea, because against at least 10 teams in the league, he's got a referee on his side as well now. Because, you know, he knows the 50-50 decisions, the 60-40 decisions against Chelsea are going to go in his favour now as a manager. That's so much easier. When when you're, when you're half of your fixtures, you've got that extra help in hand. You're going to take that, aren't you? Because it just makes your life so much easier. Um, you know, I'm absolutely, you know, we had a 28-day gap. I'd miss football like hell. One game in and I just, I just fed up, absolutely fed up with it. And it makes me feel negative and it makes me feel like, um, you know, I'm going to start picking holes in what we did. And the very next part of me talking will be me picking holes in, in the game in a negative way. And I, in, in a way I apologize for that, but it's cause I'm, it's cause I'm fed up and well, I think yeah, we have um, to take things into our own hands. Well, you've been rambling there, Chris, I've just been looking at the, um, looking up the handball rules. And the, the first thing it says, the FIFA, law 12 in the FIFA official rules book PDF. Well, it's not a book if it's a PDF, is it? Um, it's in here. It says you can, it's an indirect free kick. If an, if a player throws an object at the ball or an opponent, what object are they going to throw at the ball to stop it going there? I'm quickly going to take my Hold boot off. Yeah. Boot. Yeah. Boot. Yeah. Or makes contact Head with the ball using a held object. 
like a shin guard. I'm going to take these shin pads off and deflect it that way so I'm not touching it with my hand. Sorry, I just found that amusing. Um, hmm. uh, but that sounds like a feature to me. Every week, Nick, you come up with a rule that you enjoy from the, the PDF. From the rule, rule book PDF, yes. Mm. Anyway, look, I went off on one. Has anyone got anything that they want to add <laughs> about the VAR decision? Or have I just ruined everything by, by ranting continuously? Well, it, 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 was, it was what went on in a game. We were, were we 1-0 up at that point? I can't remember. It was, it was Yes. Yeah, we were 1-0 up. I, you could have gone through, okay, yes, you, you've loved that. Not scoring, but it's what has happened to the Chelsea player afterwards. He's, he's supplied, he's, he's the assist for their first goal, isn't he? He's taken out Klein in the build-up to that first goal. If he wasn't on the pitch, Klein would have been on the pitch at the end, arguably. So he's just fecked up our defence, stopped us going 2-0 up. And, you know, okay, 2-0 up isn't anything. We saw that against Manchester City when we played them. But do you know what I mean? That whole wrong decision has changed the complete outcome of the game. Never mind them going down to 10 men. It's what that player's done after he hasn't been sent off that's annoying me. Entirely agree, Nick. Obviously, he gets the assist uh, on the equaliser, which changes the game. And the problem is that this is a feature of the game now. It's something that certainly I've been ranting about. And you know, at times, people um, will say, perhaps rightly, that I'm... I'm myself and biased a bit, and of course I am, in my perception that there is some kind of a uh, an agenda in favour of uh, the rich and the powerful in football as in society. But that is how I see it, and it seems to be something that happens almost every week now. When we played Man City, Haaland, in my opinion, should not have been on the pitch. He scored a hat-trick, and that was, you know, for me, he shouldn't have been there. And you know, maybe we would still have lost that game even if he'd been sent off. But we'll never know now, will we? But where, how often do you see a decision like that given? I mean, obviously, there was the correct decision, unusually, in the Liverpool game where the, where Nunes did get sent off. And, you know, kudos to the ref for actually getting that one right. But it's unusual for these the big decisions and the important decisions that change games to be taken with anything other than what appears to me to be a big cup bias agenda that is designed to entrench uh, the advantages of the of the rich and it, it really mm. frustrates me so um, I'm, it's pleasing that to hear other people say it and well done Chris for putting it so eloquently mm. um, but it's but I think, annoying that we keep having to say it yeah I know a lot and I think there's an interesting thing about bias is that you know first of all as football supporters we're allowed to be biased it's kind of our thing you know, match officials are not. That that's as simple as it is, and you're quite right, Chris. When you look at somebody, and that's what gets point. People will point at decisions made, like again, you know, in the Liverpool game to send Nunes off. That that was the correct decision. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly. 
If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Made. Um, but instead of looking at that and saying that someone's acted with integrity to the rules of the game and done the right thing, it will be pointed at as an example of the fact that, you know, it's that this is what happens every week and it's just gone against you. So you're being bitter uh, or you're being salty and, and that's the kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I know there's been several attempts in in the past for people to do kind of a, a statistical analysis of the, where the decisions go. But, you know, statistics only tell you the heart, you know, a, a part of the story. It's what you see with your own eyes. And I think if you, any most clubs, I think, probably catalogue a bunch of things every single season that go against them. And then we get back to the old, well, you know, it evens itself out over the course of a season argument. But I think we're, we're seeing the, the odds stacked against teams like us and, and below um, more and more every season. And it's starting to, starting to really make a, a serious impact on the game. Yeah, and you could almost infer that where you've now got a team that's beginning to kind of run away with it a little bit, that other people are going to want to try and make the league a little bit closer. But from the ref making a dodgy decision to the to the bloke in the VAR room making a dodgy decision, it's still a human making errors that are supposed to be rid of the sort of clear and obvious. And And that's what I don't understand. And as long as you've got, you almost need somebody from another country who doesn't understand um, who these football teams are to, to get no bias at all. I mean, look at that we, event one a couple of weeks ago. I know it was Champions League and not in the Premier League. But a goal was disallowed for offside. But then if you looked on from the other side of the pitch, there was a, a I can't remember who Juventus were playing, but whoever they were playing against had a player almost on the down by the touchline, which meant the Juventus player wasn't offside, but you couldn't see that because the player wasn't in shot on the VAR screen. So a perfectly, Which is insanity, isn't it? Yeah, a perfectly onside goal was given offside. But, you, you know, you're making a, a well-made point, which is, you know, VAR still has that human element and that human error, uh, apart from in the case of offside decisions where, you know, for some reason we, we're using lasers that have seen yeah, <laughs> sometimes lasers randomly positioned and all that kind of stuff. But, you know what I mean? It's like... Is that know, what Hennessy was doing? He was going, ow, my I eyes! <laughs> yeah, oh my eyes. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm mucking about with the lasers thing. But the line seems thicker if, if it's a bigger club. You know, that's what I'm getting at. Um, but anyway, the um, you know, we, we're seeing that. But look, I was uh, I was fiercely in favour of, of VAR. Um, but you sh- you should scrap it tomorrow because of because of these types of things. We've not we've not reduced errors. We've 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 added something that has the potential to reduce errors and correct and correct mistakes. Um, but I think the list of things where it's had the right decision made is dwarfed by the number of times it's, it's caused baffling changes. You know, it's what from watching probably over a hundred goals, probably disallowed a, across, you know, all the, all the leagues and stuff. When anyone looking at that, would say that the players on side, it doesn't matter that someone's shoulder is lent beyond something. They're clearly behind another player or or in line with another player. And we're all happy with those goals. The people on the pitch are happy with those goals. We should just leave them the hell alone. But when we can't correct clear errors, like like we've seen 
so many times for so many clubs and that we've experienced this week. You just got to get rid. It's just pointless. It's a waste of our time and energy to even discuss it any further. It's done. It's done and dusted. Get rid. Um, so at the end of a long rant, um, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's time, time to go. For, <laughs> it's time to go. It's, but it's time for a return of, a, of a, one of our favourite old features. It's a time for the return of Hamblings Ramblings. Chris Hamblings got all ranty. Something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words. Like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The refs have cut. The players are. And guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. So the topic for my rambling this week, and I am, of course, a little out of practice with these, but the, the topic is it's about our ambition. It's about our need to compete in the top 10 of the Premier League. We talk about it as the next step for our club. We talk about everything being geared towards that. We brought in Patrick Vieira to play a, a much more easy-on-the-eye possession-based game. We've invested in some of the best young talent that has played in the, the championship and on the fringes of Premier League squads. We've brought in players from overseas that have made a big impact. We're building the squad. We're getting younger. We're getting better. We're getting more exciting. The, the attacking players we've got are so, so, so high potential. It's just a wonderful thing. And we've kept Wilf. But the trouble we have is that we're relying too many average players we cannot possibly consider ourselves a genuine top 10 threat when we're relying on Ward we're relying on Schlupp we're relying on Ayu we're relying on Mateta we're relying on Edward we're relying on Klein these are players that feature regularly every single week they're all good players but they are not top 10 Premier League players and we've had time and opportunity to sort this out Joel Ward has been a player who's put a fantastic shift in for Crystal Palace Football Club. But for five years, five years, we have known we need to upgrade. We need to replace. We still haven't done it. He's still in the team. He played at centre-back against Chelsea and he was not up to it. He's up to a low level of Premier League football still. And to his credit, we'll let nostalgia and loyalty cloud our judgment about how good footballers are in action in the window to sort out the central midfield we've let Piate go why let Piate go look at the, the game against Chelsea what do we need we needed a player who could step from central midfield back into centre back so who's played there at international level we needed that player and, and, and what did we have what did we have when we had injuries two injuries three injuries if you count Richards and we're absolutely screwed We've got nothing at the back. We look bereft of options from the bench. The squad isn't big enough. It's not talented enough. And it's not good enough to compete at top 10 level. And that's got nothing to do with the manager. That's everything to do with off the pitch. And it's not good enough. Thoughts? I didn't know whether to give a round of applause at the end of that because you didn't take a single breath. So well done. 
Yes. No, 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 no and I didn't, pre- I didn't really prepare any of it. I was quite no, excited. It was an off-the-cuff remark of the pre-show, wasn't it, that led to that. So that was good. Um, my thoughts are, I agree with you to a degree. We've been unlucky. Um, our squad photo looked very thin, didn't it? Did you see that came out a couple of weeks ago? I'm sure I'm sure we've had yeah. more people in, in squad photos. We've got players out on loan. That's quite good. We've got players we can call back if we need to. But, yes, we're definitely thin in defence just because of the fitness issues. And if he wants to play five at the back sometimes, then we're going to need more of them anyway. Midfield, not so much, I don't think. Um, and then we need that striker. Mm. Chris, thoughts? Well, I think you, you make a, you make a very valid point about you know what what upgrades we needed and whether we secured those players. You know, spoiler alert, we didn't. On the other hand, I still think that you know our current league position belies the quality of the performances, and we've been unlucky on a number of occasions. I think if we're lucky on a few occasions, then things will shake back to about where they were last season, to be honest. You know, it we're not we're not yet at the stage that we all want to be where we are reliably, you know, finishing above eleventh. That's that's the thing. We want to be a top half team. And at the moment, frankly, we don't yet have the depth of personnel to deliver that, which is disappointing, frustrating, all the rest of it. At the same time, there's a there's a part of me, you know, that just wants to kind of focus on the fact that, you know, we've come a long way in the, you know, the years that we've had. Yes, there is the frustration, especially where, where we are making changes late and not getting the results that we should on occasion. And that is coming down to squad depth, you know, which definitely supports the points you're making. But at the same time, I think... You know, we've got to be realistic about you know what a club we are, what resources we've got, and whether we can aspire to. You know, I mean, we we absolutely should, as fans, aspire to greater things for our club. But you know, the owners have got to do the different things they've got to do, and I mean, I suspect that part of the thing is the focus is on delivering the stadium expansion. I know there's scepticism mm. among some fans about whether that's ever going to happen, but I think you know, you've, if you look at other clubs, uh, Spurs is one example, Arsenal is another. I'm not comparing us to clubs of that stature, but at the same time, they have had to go through lean periods in terms of you know securing the resources to do that, and their fans got frustrated too, and understandably so. But I think that ultimately there is a controlling mind there. It's frustrating at the moment that we seem to be in a bit of a stasis, and you know there are definitely moments in games where you know you, you wish that we'd still got. Uh, a player of the you know quality and flexibility of someone like Kiate, I guess, in truth. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, he was a homophobe, so I'm kind of quite pleased that he's not with us anymore. Uh, so yeah, that I share the frustrations, but I, I think you know it's important to keep a bit of positivity here. You know, I, I don't think our Premier League status is in doubt, in truth, and that's that's the thing that really bothers me. Ambition-wise, I, I do think I saw Patrick O'Connor of this parish tweeting about this earlier, saying, "You know, we just don't have the squad to be top ten at the moment." But you know, finish twelfth to fourteenth, win a league cup, and we would be more than happy with that. And I think that's that's the level of ambition we should be seeking to fulfil at this moment. I've always wanted to look, but I've never have done. Uh, um, 
the, a club's richness compared to their final league position sort of over a few seasons. And and without diminishing what Steve Parrish has put in, it's peanuts compared to what a country can put into a team. So so it's all well and good saying, yeah, we'd like to be competing with them. But it's going to be a one-off like the Leicester was if we're going to finish, you know, or like the season we finished third. It was it was down to Coppel's style and the fact the division wasn't hadn't seen that like before and had trouble dealing with us and we had the players to do it. To build a team without the money to be able to buy a Haaland or a Jesus or, or whoever, it's going to be, we'd blow our season's budget on one player if we tried to get a superstar. Mm. And without that quality of player, we're, we're never going to be there. We're really not, unless we're very lucky with injuries. I mean, you've talked about you've talked about the five subs again, and we've, we've, we've spoken about that today. It's interesting how we've done as much not to talk about getting beaten actually in, in the show, isn't yeah, it? Just exactly. to go around that, but it, it, it's still important to talk about because it, it affects us as a club. So you kind know, of try and draw draw a bit of a line under it because I mean, obviously, look, you know, part of part of me saying those things is obviously it's you know it's it's the feature to have a rant, right? So I am ranting. Um, and there's obviously context around it. So funny enough, in terms of what you both said back to me, I, I broadly speaking, agree with you both anyway. So, um, you know, I do think there's an awful lot of context to consider around what I said, but I do think that there are, you know, I'm, I'm so when I, when I list the players that I consider to be average and a, and a arguably the kind of players we need to upgrade to be a genuine top 10 team, you know, I, I do mean that, but I don't think it's any small task to upgrade those players. Um, so, you know, we'll take we'll take Ward, who, who gets a lot of uh, my ire, to be honest with you, and, and not for anything that he's done wrong himself. I mean, obviously, he did quite a lot wrong in trying to defend the first goal, but, you know, it's not he didn't pick himself at centre-back and he's doing his best out there, right? So I, I don't hold it against him as such. I just, I just wish we had a, a different option at that moment. And so... You know, I, I look at him and I think, well, it's he can play right back, left back, centre back. He could probably, he can even still probably play defensive midfield, right? Um, how do you go out and replace that in one player at that level who knows the club like Joel Ward does? You can't, you can't really put a price on that to to take a, that player with that much influence, that much passion for the club, who's given us so much. Hard you did it with Jedinek. Yeah, but, you know, but yeah, and and derailed us in doing so. That, that derailed the spirit of the exactly. club and, and saw saw the end of him. So that's that's one of the problems. I, you know, I don't. When I say we've had five years to upgrade Joel Ward, and we've tried, you know, we tried it with Ferguson. We've we had Wan Bissaka for a little while. We've. It's not like we've done nothing. I, I understand the context of everything that I said, but if I'm trying to be blunt, which is the point of that feature, the bluntness is this that. You know, yes, you know, yesterday's game at the time of recording, the game against Chelsea, we had an injury to one of our first choice centre backs. So we started the game with what I consider to be an average right back playing out of position at centre back. And that is everything about how that it was a great finish for the first goal, absolutely superb finish. But we conceded that goal because of our options at centre back. So you have to look at the you have to look at the squad and then look at the people building that squad and say did we get our priorities right, you know? And we also look. I talk about the central midfield because I say, you know, accepting accepting the that there's more complexity to it than than I allowed um, in my rant. Was it the right thing to do to decide we're going to wait and wait and wait and go all out and trying to bring Gallagher back to the club? If it works, yeah, it's the right thing to do. 
But if it doesn't work and you haven't pursued a, a different option, um, then then you're in trouble if things don't work. And I was delighted to see um, the midfield three that we had out yesterday. That's, well, you know, the Cure anchoring that squad, sorry, anchoring that midfield and, and Elise and, and Eze around him. That is just, that's phenomenal, but probably not against Chelsea. You know, it actually did us really, really well. But, you know, that's where to see out that game is you, you need you need a, a stronger box to box box midfielder than either of of Eze and 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 Elise. But you put that that midfield out against you know ten of the the twenty Premier League sides, um, and I and I cannot wait. I'm, I'm absolutely I'm all for that. And and then it doesn't feel that much like we've not thought about the central midfield then, but. It's in its infancy, and you're going to get ups and downs with young players and people coming back from injuries. So, to me, we we know we needed someone to replace Gallagher. We hoped it would be Gallagher. It wasn't, and he's just scored against us and reminded us of what we should have been out getting. And, and I'm frustrated by that. So, uh, and I use the Kuyate as an example. Whatever you think about the situation, there's a player there with versatility. The the only reason we didn't keep him is because we only wanted to offer him a one-year contract. And that's our policy on players over 30. Um, I reckon that policy would be changed for certain players. Um, so why wasn't it a, a priority to change that for Kiate? Um, and, and it had nothing to do with anything off the field. It had everything to do with, with our our desire to keep him and our desire to, uh, to to replace or to bring others into midfield that we never, never Would got. Would we have got Decore though, if we kept Decore? Yeah, I think like... so. I think, I, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously we can talk forever about them at the midfield and who's fallen off a cliff and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's probably for another time. But, you know, hopefully we'll, well, you know, if you've got any views on that at, uh, at home or wherever you are listening to this, um, hi at backofthenest.com is our email or you can contact us on any of our socials. Let me know what you think about my my rant. Um, I want, It means we don't probably have time for me to get into the, the situation around Jeffrey Schlupp too much. Um, but it was basically similar to what we were talking about earlier, Chris, which was, you know, we I, I felt the subs that we made um, set a tone that that was just 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 fed just played into Chelsea's hands basically. And Jeffrey Schlupp was on the pitch from the seventy third minute. Um, he had a total of three touches of the football in. 17 minutes plus injury time. I can't remember how much added on time there was, but let's call it 20 minutes for three touches. Of those three touches, he played three passes, uh, one of which was misplaced. So It was uh, so good, Chelsea had to bypass our midfield. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. Um, which, look, that's disappointing. And for, and for full context of that, Will Hughes came on 10 minutes later for five touches. So, uh, And Jean-Philippe Mateta came on 10 minutes after, after Schlupp and had six touches. So both had more touches in 10 minutes less than Jeffrey Schlupp, but still had very few touches. So it does give a bit of context for how the game was going. Um, so, and and as I was saying to Chris pre-show, I don't blame Jeffrey Schlupp as such. I think as a player, he probably will feel slightly embarrassed to have only had three touches in 20 minutes, but I'm sure he came on and played the role he was asked to play. What I think it shows you, given that he came on to replace Eberechieza, um, is that it It was a move replacing a player who had 50 touches throughout the course of 73 minutes, who was a focal point for us keeping possession and trying to set up breaks from midfield. And we replaced it with a player who didn't touch the ball, basically. And that, to me, 
highlights what I consider to be a managerial mistake. But I'll let Chris come in on this, and then we'll we'll move on, and Nick can chip in for the rest of the stuff. Yeah, for what it's worth, I mean, I don't disagree with you that um, the changes were unduly negative and impacted our ability to compete in the last minutes of the game. And, you know, it, it's a, it's certainly a pattern that people are starting to ask, isn't it, is about in-game management and, you know, why the negativity and why try to hold on uh, rather than, you know, I mean, if you if you take a look back, I guess, you know, just again, trying to put this into perspective, we were annoyed with the way that Roy did subs uh, because he left them so late. And there wasn't a, wasn't time for them to make to have an effect. To be honest, the, you know these changes came in. You know the first of them came in two minutes before Roy would have made his first sub, and the rest at around the same time. They were not attacking substitutions. He'd made a bold move with the first team selection, frankly, and you know that was to be welcomed. I was very pleasantly surprised by how well we competed. The stats tell a different picture than the game felt to me. I felt, you know, really, frankly, quite comfortable uh, for large parts of the game. I thought we were very competitive for large parts of it. And, you know, the stats say different, but I w- I'm disappointed with the result largely because I think we deserved a point out of that game. I do think that, as you say, the, the substitutions have impacted the ability to that. And I, I think that the stats around Schlupp's lack of involvement demonstrate that we were outplayed in midfield. And yeah, Schlupp certainly plays a part in that. But I also think, it, frankly, it was the setup. They were upping the tempo. But I, I didn't feel, apart from the fact that Gallagher was on, and if you look at that goal, it is a worldie. It is a really, really good goal. So, you know, on a normal day, if you're not unlucky, you don't concede in that in that situation, would um, yeah. Decor have shut him down? Would anybody else have shut him down? Yeah. That wasn't on the pitch at the time. That's the thing you've got to ask, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and I think Vieira Vieira even admitted it, didn't he? And he and he, and he said that we, sh- you know, whatever you think about the goal, he should be in that position. We had, he said, we had the numbers to to deal with it, and I would say that's a hundred percent true. So yeah, sorry to cut that short. I'm just conscious we've it's fun. we've had a lot of fun chatting today, and um, we probably need to move things on. But I do want to make sure we talk about some positives. And Nick, you can. You can give me a hell yeah on all of these if you like. So the next, the first positive I've got is that uh, we have a run of nine winnable games. Yay. I mean, that's a yay, not a hell yeah, but we'll um, go with it. Um, don't know uh, an played, American. Yeah. Yeah. We played uh, yeah. pretty well, pretty well in spells and were unlucky with injuries. That's another positive I felt. That is a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have won the game against 10 men, so fuck the Premier League. Sure thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll go with sure thing. Uh, Eze, Elise and Zaha, all in the same team. And we could fit Ebue in on the right in place of Ayu. Potential exclamation mark. No, wait, let me... Potential, and there's an exclamation mark. It's not a potential exclamation mark. That's yeah. the wrong way to enunciate. And Raksaki as well to come through. Just we can hide that, hell, but yeah. he's, he's doing tremendously at Charlton, which we'll have to forgive him for, I guess. Well, it's good because he's doing well for them, but they're still doing shit, which is great. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of the best, best of both, both worlds, worlds yeah. they call us. Yeah, we both said that now, so that means Chris has to be the only one who can speak for the rest of the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I mean, I, I will just say I think I had a good game, actually, and you know, so I, I will be sad to see him phased out. 
if and when that happens. I think Vieira clearly has a lot of faith in him, and rightly so. And Ebioe actually did, you know, had a cameo in the game against Oxford and struggled a bit, to be honest. So, I mean, I like him. I think he he, he showed, you know, some promise. But I think Ayu's going to be in the first team for a, a little while to come. And yeah, you know, yeah, for me, that's a hell yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, it's a really good point, Chris. I didn't. I don't want to sound like I'm having a go. Are you? I think he's been really good this season. Um, I, you know, I do think he's an example of a player we do need to upgrade. And I, I'm just saying, like, because we saw at least a player alongside Ezra, and you got Wilf on the other side. It, you know, we're trying to think how we're going to fit all these players in. Um, and Abue is is probably, you know, a season away from from really starting to threaten. But he's an incredible talent. And I'm just saying, like. You can see now that Elise and him are not going to be competing for a spot on that right-hand side because Elise was superb playing centrally. Um, and yeah. That was a really good positive. From Chance the needed to be changed, I think, with Elise there because he's not going to be on the right anymore, is he? He's going to be up the centre. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which yeah, which I love. I'm really, really impressed with that. Yeah. Um, we've got some listener questions. Tim Beards said, do you still love Conor Gallagher? Uh, never did, mate. Great player. Uh, but, you know, don't fall in love with lone players. I um, wish him well when he's not playing against mm, us. Yeah, yeah. But is it? Yeah, real shame. Um, Chris Young, when did every Palace fan know that once the Kure came off, we were bound to concede? As to your point, Nick. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. He was. Um, I mean, look, you know, let's talk, we'll talk about other posit- positives. What he, he is a tremendous footballer, isn't he? So, bringing him in, he anchoring the midfield on his own, he's doing the job of. You know, a Jedinak and a Kabai in one sort of, you know, so, so I'm, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier with that really. Um, so we had, um, we did have a, a question in from, from Jerry as well. I haven't put in the doc, but he just, I suppose it's a good question to ask you two gents before we bring the, the show to a close really. And he said, well, you know, looking at what's happened so far, where do you think we're going to finish in the league? And, I don't like looking at the table after so few games anyway, but it, it is uncomfortable at the moment looking at it and, you know, six points on the board. Wolves have just sacked their manager for play one, one game more, but Bruno Lang just got sacked because, you know, Laug, um, anyway, just got sacked uh, for the same points total we've got. So if we were unfortunate enough to play Leeds on Sunday and lose that game, Vieira would have the same record as a, as a very good manager who just lost his job. So, you know, for for you, Nick. Um, you know, thinking about how we've started the season, and you know, thinking about if if we did no real business in the window, um, you know, where where would this team end up? Well, it was about this time last year I said we'd finish fourth last season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fourth why I asked seventh. Um, look, we've had a we've we've had a really really hard start. Um, it will come good. I mean, as a like you said that that. Midfield with Eze, uh, Eza, sorry, Elise and Ayu and all the others in there that can do a good job. They're going to tear some teams apart this year. We'll be, we'll be very safe and maybe 11th, 10th again. But like, like I said earlier on, if, if you haven't got the money, I think there's going to be a kind of certain level you can get to. I mean, it's a cliche to talk about three leagues within one league or four leagues within one league, but the more things go on, the more it seems like that's the way, doesn't it? Indeed. Indeed. How about you, Chris? Are you as optimistic as, as Nick? You're a very optimistic person with Palace, but 
these uh, these decisions where referees may be beating you down. So let's see. I'm less optimistic than Nick, but not much. I I, I think the truth is a long season and we've played uh, a, a number of good teams. We've also had some bad luck and we've played one game less than a number of clubs around us. We're still close to the standard ratio of points to games played that I always look for. Uh, and I'm confident we'll beat Leeds when we play them. So overall, I, I'm thinking, to be honest, 11th, 12th. I think I think we're slightly lower than we were last year. But I think you know we'll, we'll come good and mid table. And you know, I mean, let, let's let's call it now. We're going to win the League Cup. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I look at <laughs> not the, the women. Yeah. Not the, not the women's team, unfortunately. Well, hey, that's one. That's a group game. They win the other two comfortably. All oh, right, they okay. They can still be in with a shout there, Nick. So don't you write off our wonderful women's team. They were yeah, a fantastic I, bunch. I, I, I didn't realise it. Was obviously, you, whoever, wrote, you. whoever wrote the intro wasn't uh, concise enough or in, oh, well, not, had okay. enough information in it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said well, that, would I? I don't know. Maybe. They'd have been in a group game. Well, maybe, maybe whoever wrote the intro was busy Xboxing at the same time as writing it and then realised they hadn't walked the dog. And that's a hurry. So maybe that was what happened. I don't know. I can't mind read. I bet you use one um, of these auto writer things anyway. Well, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> and you can tell from the quality, can't you? Yeah. Um, we had some four word reviews in. I'll just steam through those. I picked the most recent ones because I was lazy for the aforementioned reasons. But I think it was a nice little smattering. Um, Zach got in touch and said lack of depth exposed. Brackets again. You can't have the word in brackets if it's a four word review. Um, as much as I agree with you, Zach. Uh, Tommy A, same old, same old. Perthos with written in the stars. Uh, New York Eagles went with refs crap the bed. And Thomas Lopez, score early, lose late. With a little sad face afterwards, that. And we had about a million, for fuck's sake, Connor messages as well. So, um, yeah, I think we were all pretty much on board with those with those reviews. But I think, you know, again, most people, I think, look at the... Uh, look at the match and would say we, we didn't really get a, a fair rub of the green in terms of the officials there. And, and we did enough. Yeah. You know, no one would have been upset with a point. I don't think, uh, and we probably, you know, would have gone on to win that game comfortably if the right decisions had been made as well. So we've got plenty to be optimistic about as much as I'm frustrated with a fair few things right now. Um, but yeah, the, but, the, but, the but, team are going in the right direction for me. Before you close out the show, Chris, is there any truth in the rumour that DR is going to do a YouTube special in the week on what roads you can drive up and down around cellars? Because I was walking and I was confused. <laughs> walking away from the ground, there were protesters protesting about not being able to have Sainsbury's or Deliveroo delivered to their houses because yeah, they replaced well. flower pots with red marks in the road. I think DR was very upset about this. He seemed to know mm. a lot about it. Yeah, well, he, yeah, and I know there's a there's another man on this show who who knows a bit about it as well. I'm sure about about what's going on there. I wouldn't like to to comment on a on a football podcast about what's going on there, other to, other than to say anybody uh, driving to the stadium should probably bear that in mind. Um, and you know, I think we're all wherever possible, we'd like to avoid having to 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 use our vehicles and you know, if public transport was as reliable as it should be um, and options were available, I think we'd all be. But it would be nice if, if people who'd invested in electric cars didn't have to suffer the consequences uh, of such things. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be a nice thing to do. So, when when you say invested, so when you say invested, do you mean got a company one? 
important yeah. to note that the reason for the policy is to encourage active, active travel. So, you know, an electric, electric vehicle is still a vehicle, and what they're trying to do is encourage people to walk or cycle and to make it safer for people to do that without having to compete for road space with driven vehicles. Mm. So it's, it's difficult, though, isn't it? Logic. Yeah. There's uh there's there's lots of like anything there's lots of sides to the debate isn't there, um and that you know all we require Chris is a bit of understanding empathy and communication don't we, a bit of open mindedness yeah as always and and I think I, yeah. I think that we'd have a far healthier society if people did respect each other's views and accept that mm. you can have a good faith reason for taking a different perspective yeah and keeping beer in washing machines. <laughs> Well, you heard yeah, it exactly. That's the way to go. Hmm. It's almost it's almost as if there's no one solution to every single problem that keeps everybody happy, isn't it? Almost as if that's it's almost if that's the case in life. Anyway, a little bit of philosophy at the end there for you. I'm sure you're appreciative of those of you that, that hung around the sort of four or five of you that wanted to get to the very very end of the show. We rewarded you with with some pearls of wisdom. How about that? thank you for listening uh, to the show thanks in particular everybody who got in touch today really sorry we didn't get to everything there was there was quite a lot especially loads and loads of four-word reviews that i didn't get to i'm so sorry about that but i did read through them all and some a lot of amusement in there and appreciate your contributions the preview team will be back with you in midweek uh, and so they'll look ahead at the game on sunday against leeds united um, obviously my appreciation to mikey for producing Chris and Nick for joining me and once again thanks to you until next time come on you palace the TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.